Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. So, brethren, please be seated. It's great to see so many here. And uh, what we'll do today, I thought as we're approaching the Feast of Trumpets, it would be good for us to review the book of Joel. So let's go to the book of Joel. Joel was a prophet to the kingdom of Judah, the the southern kingdom. Not much is known about him. Verse 1 says, The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. And that's it. That's all that's given. And, and by this, we can see that the emphasis is not on the person, but on his message. And so we really have to focus on his message. But the name Joel, or Yael, means Yahweh is God. Yahweh is God. And this is an end-time book. And, and, and the question in the end time is going to be, who is the true God? There's going to be lots of claims out there, big claims. Joel is going to answer those claims. That Yahweh is God. This prophecy is rooted in an unprecedented plague that happened. And we're going to read a bit about that plague in chapter 1. And Joel uses that plague as a jumping off point for his prophecy. So let's read together beginning in verse 2. Hear this, you old men. And give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? So, Joel starts his prophecy with an appeal to the oldest among us. So, it's like no point speaking to the young people here, because he's saying, this is an unprecedented event. So, I'm going to call on the oldest among us and ask you, have you ever seen anything like this before? And obviously the answer is no. So even the oldest among us are saying, no, we've never seen anything like this before. Tell you your children of it, and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. So again, this is such a profound event that we've never seen anything like this before, and let's make sure we never forget it. So tell our children, have our children tell their children, straight down to our great-great-grandchildren. Now, verse 4, I'm reading from the King James, that which the palmer worm has eaten, the locust has left, the, the locust has eaten, that which the locust has left, the canker worm has eaten, that which the canker worm has left, the caterpillar has eaten. Uh, the ESV has a better translation. I'm going to read from the English Standard. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. And what this is speaking to is really four stages of development of these locusts. And if you actually watch a documentary on these locusts, they're like grasshoppers, but they're a different species. And they're ravenous. And they go through these different stages of development. And so the oldest hit the uh, field first and destroy all the grain. Then the next The next level comes after them. They eat what's left. And then the younger ones that are crawling or hopping 
they come after that and they devour what's left. And finally, you have sort of the larvae that come and they devour whatever's left. So when they're done, they have stripped the field of anything green. It's just these sort of waves of locusts. And then uh, as a result of how much they're consuming, they're growing up. So the ones that used to be able to hop only, now they're flying. So they go to the next field, and it's just this constant, like a relay race, this constant wait. So here this statistic. In one hour, these locusts, or this, these plague of locusts, in one hour, they will consume enough grain to feed 400,000 human beings for a year. In one hour. That's what we're talking about here. So there was some kind of devastating plague that Joel is going to point to, and he's going to use it for his prophecy. Now, think of that kind of devastation and hold your place here and go to Daniel 7. Daniel 7, uh, this is sort of the counterpart to Daniel 2, where he, uh, Nebuchadnezzar sees these four beasts. And now, uh, sorry, he sees this great image, but Daniel sees them as beasts. And the fourth one, Daniel describes in verse 7, and he says, After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces. And then, whatever was left, the residue, it stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So, so this is a beast similar to the locusts, where there's just these waves. The, the first waves utterly destroys and then whatever's left over, the next wave cleans that up. And then whatever's left over, the next wave after that destroys all of that. So that by the time they're done, there's nothing left. And that's what Joel is seeing. He's seeing this fourth beast, which is utterly destructive. Let's go back to Joel 1. So, so sorry, I should say, he's using this plague as an analogy to the beast that he's seeing. So verse 5, awake, you drunkards, and weep. So if you love wine, I don't know if we have any drunkards here, but I had a nice glass of wine last night with my wife. And so if you love wine, forget it. It's over. There'll be no joy. Because, he says, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. Without the crop, without the vineyard, there's no way you're going to get the products that come from the vineyard. So they are utterly destructive. For a nation is come up upon my land. So he's using now this plague as an analogy to say there's a nation, a foreign nation has invaded. A foreign nation has come up upon my... Remember, this is end-time prophecy. This is, this is leading up to trumpets, the return of Christ. What happens between now and Christ's return? Here it is. A nation has come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion. So he saw the same thing that Daniel saw. And he has the cheek teeth of a great lion. 
So this word nation in the Hebrew is goi, and it means a foreign nation, a Gentile nation, a troop of loc- a flight of locusts. So these locusts are analogous to a foreign nation that comes without number and invades the land. Verse 7. He has laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. He stripped the bark off. the. So they are so destructive, these locusts, that they don't just go after the green plant. They take the bark as well. And the bark is how the tree protects itself. So now that it's stripped of the bark, it's completely vulnerable. He has made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. So you can just imagine, and again, within an hour. So you, and, and I'm told that these locusts, when they're approaching, it sounds like helicopters. It's just like a, a huge, all these engines are coming. And then within an hour, everything is stripped bare. This is what Joel sees. This is what's coming. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. So he's telling Judah now, cry. It's like a young woman who is betrothed and she's going to be married and she's looking forward to the marriage and she loses her husband. And now she'll never be married. She'll never know the joy of marriage. She'll never have a family. Lament. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. How can we now bring offerings, fellowship offerings to God when there's no produce? There's, there's no produce. The grain offering, forget it. So we, we go to the house of the Lord and we have fellowship with Yahweh and now we can't because the, pro, the, the grain is completely destroyed. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests, the Lord's ministers, mourn. The field is wasted. The land mourns, for the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languishes. Be you ashamed, O you husbandmen, howl, O you vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up and the fig tree languishes, the pomegranate tree and the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Gird yourselves and lament, you priests, howl, you ministers of the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. This is the warning to Judah. These are God's people. And Joel is saying, you know, it's like what Jeremiah said, you trust in lying words, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. No harm can ever come upon us. Joel is saying, how? You ministers of God, you priests, lie all night in sackcloth and howl and mourn and lament. There is no more offering. There's no more fellowship with God. Sanctify you a fast. Of course, we have atonement coming up. 
sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. So, so clearly you can see here there's, there's a disconnect between the ministers and the priests and the way the people of God are living and God's expectations. And Joel is saying, repent, repent. Alas, for the day, the day of the Lord is at hand. This is what we're looking forward to. This is trumpets. This is what trumpets means, that God is coming. He's going to exact vengeance. So this is now what happens between here and there. The day of the Lord is at hand. And as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. So it's not a pleasant day. It's not happy, happy, happy. Oh, trumpets. It's destruction. It is wrath. Isn't the meat cut off before our eyes? Yes, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under their clods. The garners are laid desolate. The barns are broken down for the corn is withered. How do the beasts groan? So he's seeing the animals suffer. Basically a slow death. The, the animals are starving to death and all you can hear is the cry, the, the mourning of the animals. How the beasts groan. The herds of the cattle are confused because they have no pasture. Yeah, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. O oh Lord, to you will I cry. For the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. And the flame has burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto you. For the rivers of waters are dried up. And the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Blow you the trumpet in Zion. Blow the trumpet in Zion. And sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. Why? For the day of the Lord comes, for it is near at hand. Where should the trumpet be blown? On trumpets, where should the trumpet be blown? In Zion. In Zion. Joel is a prophet to Judah. And he's saying, in Jerusalem, the city of God, that's where the alarm should be sounded. Because the day of the Lord is at hand. And something is going to happen to Jerusalem before the Lord returns. So blow the alarm. Blow the trumpet. Sound an alarm. Let the inhabitants of Jerusalem know devastation is on its way before the day of the Lord. As really as, as part of the day of the Lord. A day of darkness and of gloominess. This, this is not an easy day. These, these festivals... You know, it's like Passover. Passover is not easy. We have to really reflect on what happened to our Lord. And, and that's difficult. It's easy to shy away and not think about it. But no, we have to think about it. And trumpets is not easy. Between here and the millennium, we have to get through. Th this world needs to be brought to its knees. And Judah needs to be brought to repentance. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, 
as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong. So Joel seeing what Daniel saw, a great people and a strong. There has not been ever the like. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar saw, that this fourth beast is stronger than all the rest. And, and Daniel says it, it, it just destroys. And then after it destroys, it stamps the residue with its feet. Joel says, I saw this plague of locusts in waves. And whatever was left over, the next wave destroyed that. And whatever residue was left from that wave, the next wave destroyed that. There's never been anything like this. It's a people bent on destruction. And their aim is Jerusalem. A great people and a strong. There has not ever been the like. Neither shall be any more after it even to the years of many generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. So he's now appealing to us to go back to the locusts. And these human beings behave just like the locusts. The field, the land, it's like the Garden of Eden in front of them. And behind them, it's a desolate wilderness. So the same way when the locusts came in and they even stripped the bark off the tree. Everything's gone. The tree is white. That's what, the, that's what this army's like. They are thorough. And when they come through the land, it's like Garden of Eden, paradise in front of them and behind them, completely devastated. A desolate wilderness. Yes, and nothing shall escape them. And they're coming for Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be surrounded by armies. Blow the trumpet in Zion. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses. So they just sort of come out of this army. And as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devours the stubble as a strong people set in battle array. Hold your place here and let's go to Luke 21. Luke 21. Joel is responding to the very same prophecy that Jesus Christ gave us that he gave to Daniel that he gave to all the prophets here in verse 20 he says and when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies then know that the desolation thereof is near blow the trumpet in Zion uh, sound the, sound the alarm in Jerusalem big trouble there's never been an army like this before they're like a plague of locusts and and for some reason they are inspired satanically so to destroy Jerusalem and to destroy the people of God in Jerusalem. Then let them which are in Judea, so sound the alarm, and let them which are in Judea run to the mountains, and let them which are in the middle of it leave, and don't let them that are in the countries enter into Jerusalem. So, so you've got Jerusalem, and it's surrounded by country, and whatever this army's modus operandi is they really don't care about the mountains they really don't care about the country 
They care about Jerusalem and the destruction of Jerusalem. This is very important to them. That God made a promise to Abraham that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed and that the center of that blessing would emanate from Jerusalem to the whole world. And Satan knows that. And Satan hates that. And he's mobilizing his armies just before the Lord returns to destroy Jerusalem. Look at verse 23. Or let's, sorry, we'll, we'll get to verse 23. Verse 22. For these are the days of revenge, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. So somebody feels hard done by. Somebody feels that Jerusalem is theirs and that they've gotten the short end of the stick. And Jerusalem has had this protection, which is now removed. And now they can have their way. Now they can take revenge. And they're merciless. So that all the things which are written may be fulfilled. So this earth is about Abraham. It's about the covenant that God made with Abraham. And, and we can be as sophisticated as we like and run around with our iPads and Apple Watches and we're just so sophisticated. We cannot escape the reality that human life is about the covenant that God made with Abraham. And that covenant means we either get grafted into Israel or we remain outside as Gentiles. And if we remain outside, we become puppets of the devil. And so the times of the Gentiles coming to the full means that Satan gets to work his agenda through the Gentiles. And so everything that's written about how destructive Satan will be and Satan's people will be, all of this has to be fulfilled so that it can be seen that they hated Christ without a cause. So this hatred of the covenant of Abraham is going to be fulfilled. But woe... You are cursed, verse 23. You are under a curse if you're pregnant. If you're a Jewess and you're pregnant in Jerusalem at this time, you're cursed. And if you're breastfeeding, you're cursed in those days. Why? Because this plague of locusts is merciless. You know, just naturally as a human being, you, you see a pregnant woman. It's like, oh, I'll get up. Would you like my seat? That's just a sort of a normal human behavior. You see a woman breastfeeding. Oh, can I help you? These people are, not, are no longer human. They're completely governed by the devil. They no longer see a vulnerable woman as a woman. They take joy in pulling her limbs apart, in slitting her open, in tearing the child from her breast and tearing the child limb by limb. They're no longer human. And woe unto you if you're a Jewess and vulnerable because everybody's running for their lives. And if you're eight months pregnant, you're not going to run very fast and they're going to catch you and they'll have no mercy. This is, this, they're, they're ruthless. This is what's going to happen to Jerusalem. You know, this is, this is ancient text, thousands of years old. 
The Jews weren't even in Jerusalem for hundreds of years. And it's necessary that God's people, represented physically in the Jewish nation, must be in Jerusalem for this prophecy to be fulfilled. And this, this is the, the, the beauty of this, the word of God. It cannot be broken. For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. So the people who live in Jerusalem, there's going to be great wrath upon them. And that's what we're seeing. We're witnessing right now this reconfiguration of the world and, and this acceptance of a doctrine and an ideology that hates the Jew, that believes that every single Jew must be destroyed and that Jerusalem must be conquered and the Jews must be pushed into the, in, into the ocean or into the sea. And wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword. Hmm. So somebody's going in, written thousands of years ago in our modern day and age, saying that they're going in with a sword to behead, to behead Jews. These Jews that are in Jerusalem at this time, they're going to fall by the edge of the sword. And they shall be led away captive into all nations. Hmm. Somebody's going into, into Jerusalem with an ideology that says, we can take slaves. Let's behead the men and enslave the women. And send the women off to our caliph and, and our other men who will buy them and ship them. There was, a, there was an order, a standing order that 1,000 blonde women be shipped to Arabia every year during the Muslim conquests. Standing order. Gather up the 13, 14, 15-year-old blonde girls and send them to Arabia. We want to rape them. We want them as our sex slaves. That's what's happening here. There's an ideology that says that we're going into Jerusalem. We're going to behead the men, gather up the women, and sell them into slavery. They shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles. Jerusalem is the target. It's like, you know, you have your religion, I have mine, great. So if my religion says that Jerusalem is holy to me, and for you, you've got Mecca, why aren't you happy? Why do you have to take Jerusalem? But Jerusalem is the target. Because Satan knows this is where Jesus Christ is going to return. And the blessings of Abraham will emanate from Jerusalem to the whole world. And Satan hates Jerusalem. Shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So it's, it, everything that's written about what the Gentiles will do to God's people must be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And upon the earth, distress of nations with confusion, the sea and the waves roaring. So this is what Joel is seeing in the end time. This is what precedes trumpets. This is what ushers in the day of trumpets. Let's go back to Joel 2. Verse 
Go to verse 6. Before their face, the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. So, so when they move into Jerusalem, it's, it's, this is serious. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. So they are just, they're just obsessed with Jerusalem and the destruction of Jerusalem. And they shall march every one on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. So this is a very disciplined army going in to Jerusalem. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they shall fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. So I don't think this means they're supernatural, that you know, if, you, if they get attacked, they, they don't die. I think it means there's just so many of them that even though their soldiers die, they just keep sending waves and waves. In. So the army as a whole is, is unstoppable, even though the individual soldiers may drop dead. They shall run to and fro in the city. So they're going to be all over Jerusalem. And they shall run upon the wall. They shall climb upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. Hold your place here and come with me to Zechariah 14. So they're all over Jerusalem. They're break- Why are they going into the houses like a thief? What is it they're stealing? What do they want? Zechariah answers. Zechariah 14. Zechariah sees the same thing at the end. Behold, verse 1, the day of the Lord comes. This is also a vision of trumpets. And your spoil shall be divided in the midst of you. So the day of the Lord comes, and what precedes it is Jerusalem becomes a spoil. Jerusalem becomes booty to be divided. That people are going into Jerusalem with some kind of Sharia law, That says how they should divide the booty. Verse 2. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken. Jerusalem shall be destroyed. And the houses rifled. And the women ravished. That's why they're climbing into the houses like a thief. This is what they're after. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity. Yes, half, half the men will be killed and the women will be sold as slaves. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So even though there's an agenda to destroy this people, God is saying it won't happen. There will be a remnant. God is going to, just before every Jew is destroyed, God will act. Hold your place in Zechariah and jump back to Joel 2. Joel 2 and verse 10. The earth shall quake before them. Again, this powerful army. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark. Again, what uh, Christ spoke of in Luke 21. And the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? 
So what we see is before Christ returns, the Gentiles' time comes to the full. The Gentiles are in full power, and their agenda is to destroy Jerusalem. And just before they're about to destroy every Jew, Christ acts. And that's when Christ returns. And that's when Christ comes as an army. He says he's going to gather all these nations in Jerusalem to do battle. So all these nations that have gathered to destroy the Jew, Christ now acts on behalf of the Jew with his army to fight all of these nations. Uh, Hold your place in Joel. Let's go back to Zechariah. 14. And we just read in verse 2 that the remnant of this Jewish people shall not be cut off. from the, Even though that's the agenda, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. God is not going to allow it to happen. Verse 3. Then at that time shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So that's what ushers in the day of the Lord. It is the destruction of the apple of his eye the Jewish remnant, that causes Jesus Christ now to act and fight against these nations that are fighting against Judah. Uh, Jump back to chapter 12 of Zechariah. Verse 2, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about. So Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by armies. They're going to think they have the upper hand. And then they're going to be surprised that Jesus has the upper hand. I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about. When they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. So that's the time that Jesus acts. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. Though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. So Nimrod has been successful in having this sort of one word, one world, global political empire and one world religion. And in this religion is hatred for the Jew and destruction of Jerusalem. And so he gathers all nations now to destroy Jerusalem and Jesus Christ acts. Though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. In that day, says the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. And I will open my eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. So God is going to act for Judah. And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength in the Lord of hosts, their God. In that day will I make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire among the wood. So, so God is going to turn it around, and Judah will be strong. And like a torch of fire in a sheaf, and they shall devour all the people round about, on the right hand and on the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. So even though this plague of locusts comes through Jerusalem to do utter destruction, God is saying not so. I'm going to act, and I'm going to strengthen the hand of Judah, and Jerusalem will be inhabited again. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem will be surrounded with armies. The destruction thereof is near, but God will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he that is weak 
among them on that day will be like David. So the weakest Jew will be like David, will have the courage and the strength of David. And the house of David shall be like God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that came against Jerusalem. I mean, brethren, we, we have to warn these nations. We have to give them the gospel and say, are you sure? Are you sure you want to go up against Jerusalem? This is the apple of God's eye. I, will, I Jesus Christ, personally, will see, uh, it's my agenda to come down and to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. So this is the fall harvest. So the spring harvest, we have Pentecost, where God poured out his spirit on the Jews. Pentecost is about the spirit being poured out on the Jews. Later it was opened up to the Gentiles, so the Gentiles could be grafted in. But the remnant of God's people are the Jews, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. That's the spring harvest. Now we're going to see the fall harvest. The spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me. The Jews will look upon me, Jesus Christ, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for me. They will suddenly realize I am their God as one mourns for his only son and they shall be in bitterness for me as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So, so God says through Paul in Romans that blindness has happened to the Jews for a time so that the Gentile can come into the covenant. But if he can graft in a wild olive branch, how much more? Can he graft back in the natural branch? And that's what we see in trumpets, that the natural branch is grafted back in. Let's go back to Joel 2. Verse 12. Therefore also now, says the Lord, turn you to me with all your heart. This is a plea from Jesus to the Jew. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm in Jerusalem to the Jew. And now Jesus' plea to the Jew is turn to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And tear your heart and not your garments. Don't, don't be on the outward. True repentance here. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness and repents him of the evil. So this is God's heart for Judah. He doesn't want them destroyed. And he's pleading with them, repent. Turn with your... Here's what's coming. It doesn't have to be this way. Repent. Who knows if he will repent, return and repent... And leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. So that's actually going back to um, verse 13, to turn to the Lord your God and bring a meat offering 
and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. I think this is saying, forget the marriage, focus on getting your life right spiritually first. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and give not your heritage to reproach, that the heathen, all those surrounding nations around Jerusalem, should rule over them. Therefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Remember, Yael, Jehovah is God. But these people are so powerful, they're saying their God is God. Where is your God? Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest. Where's your, Allah, we blow you up and you can't do anything to defend yourself. Allahu Akbar. Our God is better. Our God is stronger. So that's what, that, that basically when it says, uh, where, why should the people say, where is their God? To sort of modernize this, I should say, why should the people say Allahu Akbar? They blow up Jerusalem and they, they're able to say Allahu Akbar. Why, why, why would we allow this? Spare your people, O Lord. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land. The covenant with Abraham is about land. The covenant with Israel is about land. And the war in the Middle East today is about land. Somebody wants that land. But it's, 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 a coven, it's covenanted land. It's promised land. And God is going to be jealous about his promise of this land. And he will pity his people, the Jew. What's left of his people? So we have the 12 tribes of Israel, but what's left is Judah. Yes, the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and you shall be satisfied with it, and I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. So that's the future of the Jew, to be a reproach. But God is going to stop it. But I will remove far off from you the northern army, the king of the north. And I will drive him into a land that's barren and desolate. Me, personally, I will do this. With his face toward the east sea and his hind part toward the utmost sea and his stink shall come up. Same thing that God did to Pharaoh. I mean, if I... We need to, we need to preach this gospel. People need to take warning and decide which side are they on. His stink, his rotten corpse shall come up. And his ill savour shall come up. Because he has done great things, great things of blasphemy. This is the beast power. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice. For the Lord will do great things. This is the covenant of Abraham. It will be fulfilled. God, God, when God made that covenant to Abraham... He said, I will do this. You, you leave your country and you do this and I will do this. I will make sure that you're a blessing to all families of the earth. And so this now is the fulfillment of this promise to Abraham. Don't be afraid, O land. Be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things. Don't be afraid, you animals of the field. For the pastures of the wilderness will spring. The tree bears her fruit. 
the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. So somehow, no matter how thorough this plague of locusts have been, God is able to, he's the creator, and he's able to revive the life of the field. Be glad then, you children of Zion, you Jews, you Jews, be glad. And rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. So we had Pentecost, and now we have trumpets. We had the first coming of the Spirit, and now we have the full coming of the Spirit among God's people. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. So this is what we're picturing in the millennium. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. So there's been this complete destruction, and God is saying, I'll restore it all. The canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. My great army which I sent among you. So, so God sent it. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. Imagine now Jerusalem. All the Jews that are in Jerusalem are praising Jesus Christ. They are all acknowledging his crucifixion. And his resurrection. And they are proclaiming Christ. And they are satisfied. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. There's all this confusion. Where is the true God? It can't be with Israel. Oh yes it can. Oh yes he is. And everyone's going to know. God, Yael, is the God of Israel. Period. There's only one true God, and it's the God of Israel. And you Jews will know that I'm in the middle of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God. I, Jesus Christ, I'm Yahweh, and no one else. And my people will never be ashamed. So even though that's the agenda, that's the Nimrod agenda, to take the whole world and to shame God's covenant people, God is saying, They'll never be ashamed. And now we come to verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward. So after this destruction by the army, not before, afterward, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. So we know the Apostle Peter appealed to this scripture on the day of Pentecost. When they were saying these men are drunk, he said, no, this is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel. But the prophet Joel does say here that there will be a former and a latter rain. So Pentecost is the former rain. And, and it was a type of this prophecy being fulfilled and maybe from peter's perspective he thought it was all going to happen right then and there it was all going to unfold right he didn't see 2000 year gap but here god says after the army has done its dirty work and after he has come and defended judah and after judah knows that he is god then he's going to pour down his holy spirit on the whole nation of judah every jew 
young, old, male, female, free, uh, handmade, every single Jew will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what's coming. And I will show you wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness. This is what Jesus spoke of and what's in Revelation. And the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. So that's the sixth seal. That's what we're looking for. When we see these signs in the heavens, that's when God is going to act. And it shall come to pass that whosoever, anybody, that shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. So this is now the salvation of the Jew. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be salvation. And again, this has always been the plan of God, that the nation of Israel would be the model, and that from that Mount Zion, the law would go forth and bless the whole earth. So Jerusalem shall be the model. And in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. So whoever those Jews are that remain, God is going to call them, bless them with his Holy Spirit. Chapter 3. For behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley of judgment, and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. So people are going to go into Israel, they're going to go into Judah, they're going to capture the Jews, kill them and enslave them, and then send them as slaves and captives all over the earth. And then God is going to bring them back to Jerusalem. And then he's going to plead with all the nations that did this. Verse 3. And they have cast lots for my people. This is what they did. They treated my people like they were nothing. They cast lots for them. Oh, I, I want that one. And they've given a boy as a prostitute. I don't know if you're familiar with the Bachabazi boys of Afghanistan. Yeah. So, you know, to them, homosexuality with boys is okay. Dress up the boys like girls, and that's what they do. That's what they're promised in paradise. So they've taken the boys and treated them like Bachabazi boys. And they've sold a girl for wine. You see what's happening to the Yazidi women now. You actually have a price list. You can buy a Yazidi woman for $18. It's a human being. Buy her for $18 and do what you want with her. Buy her for a pack of cigarettes. And sold a girl for wine that they might drink. So the girl has no value. I, I want a glass of wine. I want a drink. Oh, take this slave as long as you give me a drink. Yes, and what have you to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon? Now, God starts calling, naming names. And when you go through the prophecies of the end time, every nation that God condemns is a Muslim-majority nation. Every single one. Every single one. And all the coast of Palestine, will you render to me a, a recompense? Are you, are, you, are you trying to, Christ is saying, are you trying to punish me? So I have an agenda you hate my agenda, and now you want to punish me? 
I will, so he says, uh, will you render me a recompense? And if you recompense me, swiftly and speedily will I return your recompense upon your own head. This is why he says in, in book of Revelation, here's the patience of the saints. He that leads into captivity will be led into captivity. He that kills with the sword will die by the sword. You're going you're gonna to recompense me? <laughs> you're going to fight Jesus Christ? I'm going to take your recompense and put it on your own head. Because you have taken my silver and my gold. That, that God consider, takes this personally. That silver and gold that's in Jerusalem, in the temple, that's personal to God. And have carried it into your temples, my goodly pleasant things. And that's what they do. They go in and take everything out and put it in their mosques. The children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem, you've sold to the Greeks that you might remove them far from their border. You're taking, you're rooting them out of Jerusalem. I take that personally. They're my people. I gave them that land. Behold, I will raise them out of the place where you have sold them, and I will return your recompense upon your own head. And I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the children of Judah, and they shall sell them to the Sabaeans, to a people far off, for the Lord has spoken it. Don't mess with God's people. Proclaim you this among the Gentiles. So there's a message for the Gentiles. There's a message for the nations. And it's not for the weak of heart. Christianity is not for the weak of heart. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring weakness. It brings boldness. And there's a message that must be proclaimed. People must be warned. Are you sure you want to mess with Jesus? Prepare war. Wake up the mighty man. Mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Let's see what you've got. To Judah, beat your, or beat your plowshares into swords. We, we actually hear it the other way. Beat your swords into plowshares. No, this is beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. So that concept of let the weak say, I am strong, is in the concept of war. It's now, this is the battle of all battles. Let's go. Assemble yourselves and come, all you heathen. All you mighty men, all of you heathen. Let's see how Allahu Akbar sounds now. And gather yourselves together round about. There cause your mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be weakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Every single one will come into judgment. Put you in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down. For the press is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. So the, the future, brethren, is all about Jerusalem. It's all about Jerusalem. And all nations are going to gather there. And there's going to be multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. That's where Christ is coming. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion. He is angry. 
He is angry for what is happening in Jerusalem. And he's going to roar out of Zion. And utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. This is the anger that he has. But the Lord will be the hope of his people. And the strength of the children of Israel. And that, brethren, includes all Christians. Christian, Christianity is not this religion that's over there. And then there's this other religion called Judaism that's over there. That's a wrong concept. What there is is a covenant with Abraham. A covenant with Abraham that has come down to Israel. That was exercised through or executed through the Mosaic Covenant. That covenant failed. So God said, I'm going to have a new covenant. With who? With Israel and with Judah. So what there, there's no such thing as a true religion. But there is a true relationship. And that true relationship is with Yahweh through the covenant. And that covenant is with Israel and Judah. And Gentiles, Gentile Christians, are grafted into that covenant as children of Abraham. So there's one people of God, and it's Israel. And it includes all those who have the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit only comes through Israel. That's why on Pentecost, they were all gathered together, and they were all Jews. And they received the Holy Spirit. And then God had to give Peter this incredible vision to get him to open up his mind to see that God is grafting in Gentiles into Israel. And so now when he returns, it's God and Israel. God is going to marry Israel. His relationship is with Israel. And all true Christians are Israel. There's one Israel. Verse 17. So shall you know that I am the Lord, your God, dwelling in Zion. Yael. Yahweh is God. There's going to be this confusion in the end time about who is God. And everyone's going to know that Jesus is God. So shall you know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. My holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy. And there shall be no Muslims pass through her anymore. I'll, I'll, let's read it modern. Stop the nonsense. Enough of the Allahu Akbar. It's over. Now everyone knows Jerusalem is holy and Jesus is Lord. No more Gentiles passing through her anymore. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine and the hills shall flow with milk. So the locusts thought they could completely devastate Jerusalem. And God says, nope, no, no, no. The mountains shall drop down new wine and the hills shall flow with milk. And all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters. And a fountain shall come forth of the house of the Lord and shall water the valley of Shittim. So Jerusalem means everything to God. This is the headquarters. And in fact, God the Father 
is going to come down and dwell here. Satan cannot interrupt this. He can try, and people can subscribe to the satanic Nimrod agenda, but that's a big mistake. But Judah shall dwell forever. And Jerusalem from generation to generation. You cannot. So there's an agenda to destroy Judah, and God has an agenda to preserve Judah forever. For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed. For the Lord dwells in Zion. So despite this agenda to destroy Zion, because the Lord will dwell there, it is preserved. Now, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get very hot and spicy. But just for a while. And then God will act. So brethren, as we count down to the Feast of Trumpets, let's realize that it's difficult. It's a difficult period. It's not, ooh, Feast of Trumpets. No, no, this world is out of control. And this world is in great rebellion against God. And specifically, that rebellion has allowed them to be taken over by the devil. And the devil hates Judah. And God loves Judah. And God is going to dwell in Jerusalem with Judah. And all Christians, all, in fact, all nations will be grafted in to this covenant that God has with Israel. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.